Hello, you're very welcome to a festive edition of Never Lick the Spoon. As you've probably noticed, we've been on something of a hiatus of late whilst we record some more episodes for you in 2020. But until then, we've got you something of a stocking filler. It's a Never Lick the Spoon special Christmas edition. And as it's Christmas, we decided to look at the very festive phenomenon of fatbergs. Yes, you've, well, all that to look forward to later in the episode. But first, I thought we could settle down and enjoy a nice Christmas molecular story. And it's all about Brussels sprouts. If you've ever questioned why Brussels sprouts are even tolerated, let alone have become a staple of the Christmas dinner, then wonder no more. Molecules in all the different types of food we eat have different shapes that are able to lock on to the surface of our tongues. And depending on their shape, it sends a signal to your brain that what you've tasted is sugary, salty, bitter or sour. But if you haven't got that gene for a particular taste, you can eat as much as you like of that molecule and you won't know a thing. There is one particular gene controlling taste, which is catchily named TAS2 or 38. And unfortunately for you sprout eaters, you probably have that gene. The gene makes a protein that is able to lock onto a chemical called phenylethiocarbamide. Let's just call that PTC, shall we? PTC sends a sensation of intense bitterness to the brain. And as you probably guessed by now, PTC is quite similar to chemicals found in Brussels sprouts and cabbages. Ironically, the man who discovered this property of the chemical didn't have the gene himself. It was back in 1939 that Arthur Fox was pouring powdered PTC into a bottle, creating a lovely cloud of the stuff. He obviously had no idea what was happening, but the chemist on the bench next to him certainly did. Intrigued, Fox decided to investigate why some people could smell and taste PTC, whilst others couldn't. So he got his friends and family to try a little bit of it to tell him what they tasted. What he found was intriguing. He could predict quite accurately whether a person would or would not be able to sense PTC by seeing how their family had reacted. So, for many years, PTC was used as a paternity test. Yes, this early form of a Jeremy Kyle show assumed that if your father couldn't taste PTC very strongly, and you could, well, chances are he's not your father. Now, before you start asking yourself questions around the dinner table, it's not, of course, completely reliable. It turns out that taste is quite subjective and depends on what you usually eat and drink. It wasn't until 2003 that scientists actually managed to locate the exact gene responsible, giving those of us who hate Brussels sprouts a good genetic explanation for why we should never have to eat them ever again. Brussels sprouts aside, many of us will be sitting down to a Christmas dinner that includes turkey, roast potatoes, pigs in blankets, yum, all quintessential parts of the Christmas dinner all produce quite a lot of grease and fats. Many of us simply throw these grease and fats down the sinks or toilets. However, figuring out where all this grease goes and the impact it might have is probably not our biggest concern over the festive period. But it's turning out to be a right old headache for London sewers. This December, two fatbergs weighing a combined 100 tonnes were found in central London. A team of researchers at Imperial College London 
are investigating methods of removing these giants of the deep and even pondering their use as a biofuel. I went to meet the team led by Dr. Jerry Heng, a reader in particle technology in the Department for Chemical Engineering. Jerry's group focuses on interactions at surfaces and interfaces. I also met Dr. Miao Go, an honorary lecturer also in the Department for Chemical Engineering. Miao's group develops mathematical models for process and system optimization. But first, I asked Ethan, a PhD researcher working between both Jerry and Miao's group focusing on the removal of fatbergs, on what a typical fatberg is made of. And just to warn you, you may not want to listen over your Christmas dinner. The real problem with fatbergs is that we don't necessarily fully understand actually what they're made of. We know that they're composed of several things that we flush down the toilet, which can't dissolve or break up in the water, such as nappies, wet wipes. However, they're also obviously made up of congealed masses of fats, oils and greases. Now, even the way that these oils fully form the fatbergs is still relatively poorly understood. Fatbergs are believed to cause about 6.7 million block drains in the UK per year. And more locally to Imperial College London, we can look to 2017 when Whitechapel was found to have an 130 tonne fatberg in its sewer system, um, which was approximately 250 metres long. Um, So think about that, 250 metres, about 20 um, double-decker buses in length. That's incredible and terrifying in equal measure the reason i you know i guess that you don't you don't know very much is it's just it's quite an unpleasant place to go and take samples i'd imagine presumably most of it is modeling the way you understand fatberg development so meow how do you how do you actually go about modeling a fatberg our research is a very very early stage and basically this uh, research is just a setup um in collaboration with scottish water so of Potentially, we could use a, let's say, a machine learning technique and use uh, the seasonal kind of uh, data and also uh, correlate, basically, the fatbug formation with uh, some um, variables. And, for example, the environmental variables, but also the household behavior variables and to predict uh, the uh, fatbug formation. And that can potentially project how the fatbug is basically produce and project a trend which can inform the decision making in the fatbug um, removal. And speaking of uh, seasonal changes in household behaviour, it's uh, well, it's coming up to Christmas and I'd imagine that's uh, also peak time for fatbergs as well uh, with everyone cooking their turkeys and well that grease has to go somewhere, right? Jerry, do you see a, a, a seasonal peak at Christmas time of, of fatbergs? With the temperature drop during the winter here in the Northern Hemisphere, we of course see occurrence of more fatbergs, even our own sinks and drains may be a bit more blocked up. It is, however, a very difficult task to predict where and when exactly these fatbergs would form. There's a lot of thought out there around trying to understand how and why fatbergs form and it's quite a complex problem it is really early days are suggesting that there are indications of seasonality here even from a, a less wide perspective going from seasonal to even daily diff- changes in um, pollution from sinks down into sewers it has been observed previously in some investigations 
that when looking at the cross section of fat bergs that have been removed, that they have different bands of color of fat associated with them, which people have suggested maybe due to changes from day to day or week to week of the fats that people are putting down their sinks and also things like detergents causing different reactions to occur to change the colour. Jerry, so your, your group here in the uh, chemical engineering department of Imperial are looking at ways that we don't end up with the Armageddon-like situation where at Christmas our drains overflow. So what ways can you break up these fatbergs? We are very much an experimental group and we undertake experimental studies into how to develop nanoparticles, small little objects about a thousandth the diameter of our hair. And um, these objects have very, very high capacities to, to absorb and remove the fats from our, our wastewater streams. So we undertake small laboratory experiments to test the efficiencies of these nanoparticle systems for the removal of fat books. We couple that with some of the uh, modeling approaches that Miao uh, develops, and um, we try to, in combination, to uh, then design the best uh, systems for that. Really, they are a waste material, and they cause issues, as Ethan has mentioned. But if we could recover them, they could actually also be a potential a, a resource, as in, for example, a fuel source, and uh, that really does excite us here. So does that mean you could potentially use it as a biofuel? Yes, that's that's the idea. Definitely, different uh, process potentially can recover the oil-based, let's say the waste oil, as a biofuel, such as the biodiesel, as well as uh, um, basically platform chemicals. So it's quite uh, quite interesting, and there definitely we see a uh, a potential if we can develop a cost-effective way to remove and recover the fat bug and provide it as a feedstock for the biofuel and other potential bioproducts recover. That's amazing. So Ethan, turning to the, the festive period, are there things that we in our, in our homes uh, should or shouldn't be doing? Presumably putting grease down the sink is a good place to start. Exactly, Kieran. There's many ways in which you can think about limiting the amount of fats, oils and greases that you put down your drains. A very simple one that you can do at home is to avoid pouring fats, oils and grease directly down the drain and instead store them in non-recyclable containers that can then be um, disposed of as you would with any other waste in your wheelie bins. On top of this, it's important to think about what are being referred to as the three P's, which are pee, poo and paper. These should be the only things that you're flushing down the toilet as things like wet wipes and nappies are unable to disintegrate within the water and enable the fatbergs to grow um, in in size more easily um, by getting stuck within them. And that was PhD student Ethan Errington speaking there. And we'll be sure to check back on their progress very soon. And it's on that note that we have to say goodbye and goodbye for the year. Thanks to all my guests who featured on Never Lick the Spoon in 2019. And a special thanks to you, of course, the listener. So until 2020, have a lovely Christmas and always remember, never lick the spoon.